Today on Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares. If you profess faith in Christ, if you repent of your sins and you say, I want to be in this thing called Christianity, there's going to be trials that are going to, to put it in the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, test the genuineness of your faith. We're going to find out if it's real or not. And we need to anticipate that. We need to tell people that. Remember driver's training when the instructor taught you defensive driving? The idea was that you should expect other cars to cut you off, stop short, and that there would be bumps along the way. Your job was to anticipate these challenges and get safely to your destination. Well, today on Focal Point, your instructor, Pastor Mike Fabares, urges you to fully expect ongoing temptations on the road of life. I'm Dave Drewy. And we're starting in Acts chapter 8 with a new message titled, The Challenges of Discipleship. Something we have seen throughout the book of Acts so far, people coming to a profession of faith in Christ, and then we watch to see where they go. And Acts chapter 8 is a perfect example of this with a celebrity conversion. And he was a celebrity. His name was Simon. He was known as Simon the Magician in Samaria. And everyone paid attention to him. And as, as Luke puts it in describing this in Acts 8, from the least of them to the greatest, everyone thought he was amazing. They paid attention to this guy. So that spells celebrity, important person. And we'll see here, he's got a lot of money. And he's someone that is uh, used to power and privilege and the spotlight and the platforms and all that. That is how this guy lives. He comes to faith in Christ. So convincing is that conversion experience that Philip, who knows the gospel well, he's watched a lot of people get saved, he sat under the preaching of his own pastor, Peter, and he's convinced enough to take him out of the crowd, put him in a, in, in a body of water, and have him baptized to declare his faith in Christ. And not only that, it says that he followed along with Philip as Philip had brought this message to him along with other converts, but Simon in particular seemed to be a, a, a real close adherence to this thing called Christianity now. His faith wasn't genuine. Something was wrong. So wrong that Peter could say, your heart is not right before God. So we know that sometimes it's the post-profession discipleship that reveals the distinction between saving faith, real faith, real conversion, and a counterfeit faith. I just want you to have an asterisk, at least in your mind, to know this, that sometimes that profession of faith is going to be proved to be not genuine. It's going to be proved to be phony. And while I don't want to make you in this sermon a skeptic, I want you to know that the reality of what we're going to study here this morning does happen, and it's real. This is the kind of thing that all of us, if we've done enough evangelism, we know this is a reality. And those that just keep boasting of their numbers of people that have made a profession of faith, but never really look at those numbers in light of where they go six months down the road, 12 months down the road, two years down the road, well, I, I start to wonder, are you even understanding the distinction between saving faith and the kind of counterfeit faith that we see here in the heart of Simon the Magician. So let's study this this morning with some practical realities in our minds about where you need to go once you have that victory of seeing someone come to profession of faith in Christ. And a lot of this I know you can apply to yourself, but let's, as best we can, keep our feet in the sandals of the evangelist. Let's look at this text. We're going to read and study verses 18 through 24 of Acts chapter 18, and I trust this will be helpful for you. Let's get this in our minds 
afresh. Now, when Simon, remember, this is Simon, not Simon Peter. This is Simon the magician, Simon of Samaria. He was a celebrity. He had money, had fame. When he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he sees what goes on here when the delayed reality of the invasion of the Spirit in these people's lives with some kind of external confirming, ratifying, like authenticating signs, which are not spelled out here, but clearly it was something that was evident to everyone, and Simon wants this power. Luke doesn't go to the bother of telling us what that is here. Nevertheless, it's assumed in the passage, and when he sees it, bottom of verse 18, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also. So Simon, the magician from Samaria, wants to give money so that he can be like the apostles, putting his hands on people, and whatever evidence of that spirit invasion was, he wants to have that power. That, by the way, if you look up in a dictionary, the word simony, simony, that's a word you probably didn't use in a sentence this week. Simony is the English word that historically describes when church officers, church leaders, pastors, they sell authority within the church or when someone tries to buy with money authority or power or office within the church. That's called simony for what it's worth. It's just interesting because whenever you run across that word, which probably not this week, but before you die, if you come across that word, it comes from this passage, simony. Look it up on your phone just to make sure that I'm telling you the truth. But Peter said, well, that's very good that you're aspiring to church leadership, and I'm really glad. Probably not, probably not something that's for sale right now, so I don't know. I mean, not that I want to be the Holy Spirit in your life or anything, but I, you know, I just, I, I, I just, I just, at least I can commend you for your ambition in the church. Underline all that in verse 20. <laughs> Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you. <laughs> what a, I don't know if you can catch the full way. May your money that you're wanting to give us, Mr. Rich Celebrity Man, may it be damned, perish, may it go to destruction, may it be be the object of the wrath of God, along with you, may you go to destruction, may you have the wrath of God come upon you. <laughs> no one can preach this passage without quoting J.B. Phillips. Have you ever heard of the Phillips translation? It's a kind of a more thoughtful, scholarly paraphrase. It's still a paraphrase, it's not a translation, but he takes this phrase and he, he translates it this way, to hell with you and your money. <laughs> Which he's taken a little heed for, but that's exactly what's being said here. Destruction. May your money go to destruction. May you go to destruction. So that's a hard no. Can I buy this power, this office? No, you cannot. Matter of fact, that's a bad thing. Why? Because you thought you could obtain the gift of God, the apostleship, the place that we have in the church, which God has entrusted us with a very special group of skills here, if you want to call them that, endowments from God, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, where we can suspend natural law, do signs and wonders. That's something you cannot buy. You, we're in a whole different economy now. You cannot buy this with money. This is something God endows upon you. Uh, we were fishermen from, Ga from Galilee, fishermen from Galilee, and this is something God grant. You can't buy it. You can't obtain it with the gift of God with money. Simony. Here is a celebrity coming to faith in Christ, not wanting to be like every other new Christian that says, okay, I need to learn more about this. Go to a small group. Maybe you should go through a discipleship program of some kind. I should start a Bible reading program. Someone should keep me accountable for learning verses of the Bible. I had to admit my temptation. I don't know. Do you think simony is going on at all in our modern age when celebrities make professions of faith? 
They want to rush right to the stage and be on the platforms and be the leaders and run church services. I don't know, am I being too specific here? I'm just saying to you, this, this concept is not dead. And I think it's part of the problems, particularly the temptations that come with being a celebrity that comes to a profession of faith. And here, a fisherman from Galilee looks at a big celebrity in the middle of Israel and says, in Samaria, which is in the middle of Israel, to hell with you and your money. You're not going to buy this position of leadership. And, and what do you think most celebrities would say in response to that? Well, pfft, I'll go do my own thing then. Which, by the way, though he has a, a seemingly penitent response to this, it's just one line is all we have. The post-biblical historical writings, which are a little confused and somewhat conflicting in certain areas, show us that he did go off and say, I'll start my own thing then. I'm not going to sit there and go through your little penitent, you know, learning discipleship program to see where God places me in the body of Christ. I mean, he went out and started a movement that was counter-Christian, although it had a Christian label to it, which again, I can't say much specifically with any certainty, but we know at least Simon was known outside of the biblical writings, even by the second century as a leader of a cult group, I think is not a wrong way to put it, although that may be an oversimplification. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. So here's the diagnosis. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. What matter? Well, specifically, I guess, in view, in the near view, at least, is the apostleship. You're not going to be in the apostolic band. I'm sorry, you can't buy this. Okay? But it's more than that. I only give a lot even in this matter called Christianity. Your heart is not right before God, which I do think is a categorical statement about the fact your faith is not right. Because here's what real Christianity is like. 2 Corinthians 5.15, I quote it all the time, but a good demonstration of what repentance looks like. Christ died for us that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Hard for celebrities, by the way, to have that happen in the humility of being a penitent new Christian to say, oh, my life's not about myself anymore. I mean, submitting myself not only to pastors and church leaders, but disciplers, small group leaders, learning about the Bible. And that kind of, I'm now going to say, what does God want of me? What does he want for all the things that I direct in my life? I'm putting that asset, that resource of my life completely in God's hands. Think about that. I am going to now say, Luke chapter 14, verse 33, here are all my possessions. Here's all of my life. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow you. What do you want from me? Anything, I'll do anything which I can assure you is not, even if you're a celebrity, to rush on a platform and try and lead big segments and swaths of the Christian movement. It's just, that's not how it works. Not that I'm trying to be specific in saying this is, you know, the only application of this, but certainly that shows that you're trying to merge Christianity as just another commodity in your life to continue the self-advancement, self-aggrandizement, or the leadership that you think you deserve. And Christ has become a tool or a commodity. It's not... Christ is now the Lord, I'll do whatever he wants. Easy to say that, and I'm sure that Simon the magician said that. But in this case, when the temptation came to say, well, I'm going to buy my way into leadership, he tried to do that. Peter calls him out, diagnoses that your heart's not right before God. So he gives him the remedy. Verse 22, repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, that's an interesting phrase, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. Probably haven't used the word simony, and you probably haven't used that phrase this week. You seem a little testy after work today. Are you on the gall of bitterness, honey? Gall of bitterness. That's just a strange 
I don't know, if I were on the translation team, probably go for something different here to try and explain this little idiom of the ancient language. But the idea of you, you, you have something inside within you that is absolutely contrary to biblical Christianity, to the heart of a humble, penitent disciple of Christ. And it's like, it's like you're in a straitjacket. You're in the bond of iniquity. It's like you have handcuffs on here in your sin. It's like you're a slave to sin. And Simon answered, and this is all we have in the biblical text, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may come upon me. I don't want my money going to hell, and I don't want me going to hell. I don't want that. Thus the story of Simon encountering the other Simon, Simon Peter. <laughs> it's very instructive for us in our day, and I do hope that you are actively involved in sharing your faith, and when you get to the place of a positive response, we call it a profession of faith. I'm saying I have faith now in Christ. I want you to warn them of exactly what takes place here, and that is your faith will be tested, okay? And another word for that in Scripture, at least in, and I shouldn't even say that, it's the same word. In the Greek New Testament, there is one word that is translated both testing and temptation and trial, all the same Greek word. Now, depending on the semantic need in that particular passage, right, it may lean more toward the pain of the trial. It may lean toward the, the, the struggle of the, of the fork in the road of temptation, or it may just be a blanket kind of cold like it's a test. Nevertheless, it's the same word. And so I want to tell new converts to Christ, people that profess faith, I want to say this, you should expect ongoing temptations after you become a Christian. There are going to be trials and temptations, in particular, tests of your faith. Number one, fully expect ongoing temptations. And this you can put in quotes as coming out of your mouth to people that have come to faith in Christ. It was great. I had a great conversation after the last service. And I, I mean, I just people saying they're exactly right, exactly where this passage is, and they've got people that have made professions of faith in their life, and they know that their lives right now have, have put them in a place to test whether or not their faith is genuine, and they're standing there. They care about them. They brought them to a place of, of, of a profession of faith, and now they have to comment on how they're dealing with the test, and that's critically important. But the first step is you should tell them that when you're sharing the gospel with them, that if you profess faith in Christ, if you repent of your sins and you say, I want to be in this thing called Christianity, there's going to be trials that are going to, to put it in the words of 1 Peter chapter 1, test the genuineness of your faith. We're going to find out if it's real or not. And we need to anticipate that. We need to tell people that. I made a profession of faith as a, as a kid. Came down the front of the church, pastor put his arm around me, went back to the counseling room, got a new Bible, got track, I got a thing to sign, all that. And guess what? Not a single person at the front of that auditorium or in the counseling room told me. Not a single person said, okay, now we're going to see if this, is, this profession, this faith that you're confessing is genuine or not. It will be tested. I didn't get any of that. You know what I got? People patting me on the back saying, welcome to the club. Uh, let's get you baptized as soon as possible. And let me give you all these verses. Matter of fact, that was the playbook. All the verses of assurance. Now that you've just made a profession of faith, I don't know what went on in laying the foundation in pre-conversion evangelism. But here's the thing. Before I even talk about post-conversion evangelism, before I look at what I'm going to say to build a foundation of what it means to be a Christian, because who knows what you're thinking, but I'm just going to tell you you're part of the family. Let me have you look at all these verses of knowing that now you're in the family forever. Welcome to the club. Assurance of faith. I'm just saying, just hold your horses on that just a little bit. And let's just at least stand back and say, okay, let me just warn you. 
I'll give you a little bit of reality here that you need to have a, a bit of skepticism even about your own profession of faith. Now, here's a danger in this sermon, and I know. You're looking at, at Luke 15 saying, there's rejoicing in heaven over a sinner that repents. And all I'm saying is, what you just did, I want to make sure it is repentance. Not that I'm, I'm the, the judge or jury, but I am someone who's trying to disciple you through this thing. You went from saying I'm not a Christian to now saying you are a Christian. I just want to warn you. I want to tell you there's going to be a testing to see if this is real. And the danger in preaching this sermon is some of you are just like, you, 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 you're going to have someone profess faith and go, ah, well, well, we'll just see about that. You know, we'll see. I don't want you to go that far. I want you to be excited about everyone's move toward faith in Christ. I want you to say, yeah, I, I have no problem patting you on the back for this. But it, it, this profession of faith that we're talking about in the Bible, this turning from sin to God, we need to know who God is. We need to know what sin is. We need to know what turning to him means. We need to understand the nature of saving faith. All of that you need to understand. Because if it's real, it's going to last. Matter of fact, turn with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke. This is an important place to go. These are the words of Christ about this very, very matter we're talking about. It's something that Peter is coming in the middle of. There has been a temptation. He sees power, Simon does, and he wants to buy that power. And that is the test. And just like his old life, he can reach into his wallet and pull out money and buy his way into whatever he wants. He wants to buy his way into the apostleship. And that's the test. He's failing the test. And Peter's about to point it out. But I just want to show you that's what Jesus helps people see. And as Peter sat there listening to these words of Christ, I'm quite confident he could tie this passage together and this teaching of Christ with what he was experiencing in Samaria when he looked at Simon the magician. Matter of fact, just jump into the middle of it. Then we'll look at the context. Bottom of verse 13. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 13. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, last seven words. And in time of testing, guess what it's translated elsewhere in scripture? About half the time this Greek word appears, it's translated temptation. In a time of temptation, sometimes it's translated trial, like it is in 1 Peter chapter 1, trial. So that, as Peter said, the testing of your faith, the genuineness of your faith is going to be revealed. Well, in this case, it says in a time of testing, they fall away. There are some people that failed the test. Now let's get the context. This is about the four soils. You throw the gospel out, and you got four different soils. Throwing the gospel out is the word of God. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And the ones along the path are those who heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. It's like I've had many conversations like that with non-Christians, right? They don't want to hear it. As soon as you start talking about God, the afterlife, the Bible, Christianity, right? Then it's like, well, what about them cubs this year, right? I mean, we just change, don't want It's like bullets off of Superman. They are not interested in talking about that. Okay, that's soil number one. Verse 13. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, right? They, they don't have a foundation. They don't, they don't rightly understand even what they're talking about. They believe, they have that belief, just like Simon the magician had, walking around, following Philip, listening to his evangelism. Who knows, maybe he participated in evangelism. They believe for a while, but here it comes, in a time of testing they fall away. They show not interested, which if the historical post-canonical records are right, it's exactly what Simon did. He went and developed his own version of Christianity. That's soil number two. Soil number three. As for those that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasure of life, and their fruit does not mature. They're not bearing fruit. 
right? All these other things that they want, like the rich young ruler. I want my stuff. I want my life. I, I have all these things. I, I'm not interested in really genuinely repenting, even though I said it. I don't have real faith that produces lifelong works that show the, the, the proof of my repentance. They just, they're done. It's, it's the same concept of the time of testing, only this one is, is, is a slower thing. As the parallel texts say, as this is kind of expanded in longer descriptions, like in the book of Matthew, it, it says, when persecution arises because of the word, they fall away. The idea is it's either immediate, like it was in Simon's case, or maybe it's this, ah, just slowly they're done. But as for the good soil, soil number four, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. They're all sincere. They don't have mixed motives here. And they bear fruit with patience. See that word? Right? They keep going. It continues on. They don't stop. That idea is so important for us to catch because when you have a positive response to the gospel, most of you think, a lot of us think, I don't want to condemn you in this because perhaps it's not the way you think, is I either have the people that reject the message or people that accept the message, and if they accept the message and respond, hey, great, I got non-Christians, I got Christians. Well, within that batch of people that you might be quick to give assurance about their salvation, in that, Jesus makes it clear, and he could have done this with three soils. He did it with four soils, I think, just to remind us. A lot of people profess faith. And in time, the testing comes, they prove that their faith was not real. James making that point about the faith that the demons have. They believe, but they believe in a way that is not the kind of belief that as those last words here in verse 15, not bearing fruit with patience, not continuing on with that lifestyle of producing the long haul as the expanded version of this record goes, they bear fruit some 30, 60, 100 fold. They continue to increase in their fruitfulness. Without crossing your arms and saying, well, I don't believe it, we'll see. I want you at least to say, I want to tell you there's going to be testing that's going to come to test with it. I don't think, at least in the modern era of my Christian life, I don't think there's a time I've shared the gospel where I haven't added something almost to that verbiage. That's how I say it. Your positive response is, it's going to be tested. And in that testing, as Jesus warned, we will see whether it's genuine or whether it's not. That's hard when we're working and rushing toward just make a commitment of faith. Just profess your, your faith in Christ. You're listening to Focal Point, and today's message is titled, The Challenges of Discipleship. Now, Pastor Mike will join us again in just a moment with one more announcement, so please stay with us. And don't forget, you can listen to this program or any of our previous messages anytime when you go to focalpointradio.org. If you share Pastor Mike's passion to see people make a lasting commitment to Christ, you'll want to be prepared to answer some of the questions you may encounter. So I hope you'll request this month's featured resource, How to Know God Exists, Solid Reasons to Believe in God, Discover Truth, and Find Meaning in Your Life. It's a helpful book by Josh McDowell and Thomas Williams, and we'll send you a copy when you donate this month. Opening up a conversation about God with family, friends, co-workers, or even people you meet throughout your day may seem intimidating. But there are universal questions like, does God exist? So to elevate your confidence as you engage in these conversations, request a copy of How to Know God Exists when you make a generous donation to support this program at focalpointradio.org or by calling us at 888-320-5885. Or if you prefer, write to us at Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Now here's Pastor Mike with an announcement for you.
Pastor Mike Fabar is here. You know, God created the world for his children to enjoy and to help you worship him in his creation. I'm going to invite you to join me for a seven-day Alaskan cruise coming up in the summer of 2024. We're going to study the Bible together, and we're going to worship with a Grammy Award winner named Keith Hancock. We're going to visit the beautiful, majestic scenery of God and his creation, so don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Get more information about how you can join them in Alaska at focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Well, that's all for today. I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you back for the next installment of a message called The Challenges of Discipleship from Pastor Mike Fabares. That's coming up Wednesday right here on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash pastormike or twitter.com slash pastormike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.